0: This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive and necessary and have to do a world of things, but we also believe they should be fun. Whatever you need and can't afford, we're here to help you find the right car.
1: Or your car friends, your car therapists, and sometimes
0: the bad influence you need. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. Hey guys, happy Tuesday. I'm sure you noticed, because I certainly noticed, that the request for questions for this podcast included the sentence with one of Todd's Cayennes for scale. That's right, I am now a guy that owns more than one Cayenne. I am shaking my head daily, but I am also married and my wife is happy, so these things happen. But one of Todd's Cayennes was funny. Did you like that? It was very funny. Well, I looked at the photo and I was like, hey, there's, a, there's one of Todd's Cayennes, a Levante. And the- <laughs> Wait!
1: I'm writing that. Yeah,
0: that's very good. I like it. Welcome back to the podcast,
1: everybody. (laughs) Your piece is doing well on the YouTube channel. If you haven't seen, Todd bought another Cayenne. Yes. He compared them both. Yep. Yep. And I think this will be a series now that, you know, you'll you'll keep us all updated on the the e-hybrid version. Yeah, the
0: last one got about a video a year, and there are questions, and I'll circle back to it sometime later, but there are questions about it. But the last one got a video roughly about once a year. This one, we will definitely keep you updated because that actually was a series that, you know, we didn't release a lot of videos, but did surprisingly well. People were curious. And, you know, I'm doing the thing you're never supposed to do, which is buy an old used German car with a lot of technology. So we'll see, (laughs) you know. I mean... (laughs) And you bought another, so you yes, matches. exactly, exactly right. Yeah, I've got an old one. one. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, why not? <laughs> also, on
1: our Everyday Driver test drive videos channel, the Honda HRV has been released. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm thinking about all the cars that are on there that are really not exciting.
0: Sure. All yeah, we yeah. want to drive yeah, right. is
1: just exciting cars from here on out. Just only it, the. Exciting it would be nice, cars. but yeah, that's not reality. But these do get views because yeah. people are shopping. Yep, or they own one. Yep, and. If you haven't seen it, we recommend. If you're even looking at one of these, the HRV, we liked it a
0: lot, actually. Well, the, we, we liked what it's accomplishing for the money, but it's also in a really crowded segment.
1: It is. Yeah. It is. It's definitely one of the standouts in that segment. So check that out on our Test Drive Videos channel. And then finally, from our friends at Blipshift, the original NA Miata shirt mm-hmm. has been introduced with the Not Fast But Furious logo. So if you have an NA Miata or want one or you're just a fan yep. of Miatas, check that shirt out. That is awesome blipshift.com go to our partner store everyday driver and you can find that shirt there we always recommend that one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle is brakes an upgraded braking system can transform a vehicle's performance and give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation from the track to the trail even your morning commute every vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price no matter your vehicle and driving style PowerStop has
0: complete brake upgrade kits for you Just go to PowerStop.com and you fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder. You'll get matched with complete kits with components that are low-dust, which we've seen, noise-free, which is amazing, and feature upgraded stopping power. We've seen great results firsthand on our cars, and we encourage you to improve your car with better brakes from PowerStop. Brake upgrades made easy.
1: Today's Topic Tuesday comes to us from Chad M. asking about powertrain personality in an EV world. Mm. Chad writes, the engine, even the transmission, are integral parts of a gas-powered car's personality. Yep. Like a big block V8, a low-power inline 4, or a flat 6, natural aspiration, turbocharged or supercharged, and a great-feeling manual, a PDK or a CBT. Mm-hmm. Well, the CBT
0: doesn't feel great. But, 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 he's, but his I point is valid, and that is... Depending upon the combination of all the things he's laid out, you can make a totally different feeling car. You take that big block V8 and you put it with a great manual or a CVT, and the car's going to feel almost entirely different. Oh, it's, that's true. It'll feel different. Yeah. It just doesn't feel We might not great. like it. We might not, that, that's a different conversation. We're just <laughs> right. talking about how it creates different personality. GreatfeelingCVTs.com. Uh-huh.
1: Uh, there's nothing on there. It's just a blank page.
0: But but you know but you know all the times the the joke about dating, the joke about you know, but they have a great personality. Right. There is the flip side of that is they can have a terrible personality. So it you know that's that's the whole thing. So that's what's happening at <laughs> some of these. Chad writes that he doesn't think EVs
1: have yet something to express their personality, with the possible exception of a built-in home entertainment system. <laughs> <laughs> you could watch Netflix while you charge. Right. Yeah. Do we agree with this point? He also asks, will some aspect of EVs turn into that personality-defining aspect of the car? Mm. Or will the car industry turn into a commodity market like mayonnaise, where the differences will only by, be seen by very few enthusiasts? Well, this ketchup is organic. That ketchup is not organic. Can and you this, taste the difference? And this one is catsup. That's right. And this one is ketchup. And in Utah, it's mixed with mayonnaise. Yes, exactly. We, we call it fry
0: sauce. Fry sauce. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, actually, that, there is a thing in Utah, if you've never <laughs> been here before, called fry sauce. And it's literally just ketchup and mayonnaise. But some people do like mayonnaise and barbecue sauce. Everybody has their own little right. way they do it. And and I'll be honest, I am totally in. I 12 <laughs> years in, I am completely obsessed with, with, with fry sauce. But what's here's what's bad. I don't think about what's in it. I just like it. And the people that put barbecue sauce in it better. I was actually at a restaurant once and I asked them for fry sauce. And the guy said to me, I'm sorry, sir. We don't have any, but I could bring you some ketchup and mayonnaise. And I was like, you ruined it. You just ruined it right there. <laughs> I, I was fine knowing it existed as a pre-mixed thing, bringing me the parts. It's disgusting now. Yeah.
1: I have noticed Heinz has capitalized on that. Every time I'm on the sauce aisle, I see, oh, you're doing all the mix. Yeah, you're, of course. You're calling it fun names. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, in Germany, there's curry ketchup.
0: Well, you know. Everything needs curry,
1: right? Because apparently, yay. yeah. Right. <laughs> well, Chad, I really started to think about all the parts of an EV because you were listing parts of a gas-powered car. I thought, all right, the the actual motor, the reducer, the transmission, the battery, the traction battery pack, the battery management system, the battery heating system, the onboard charger, <laughs> sure, the yep. charge port itself, the electric power control unit. Then there's the inverter. Don't forget about the inverter, the low voltage DC converter. And then the vehicle control unit, along with all the rest of the interface. and Yeah, none of those parts sound exciting. And I couldn't decide, and I thought about it some more. And what I have landed on, Chad, we talk about weight with EVs. And we're all lamented and frustrated with the weight of future EVs. Incredibly heavy. Whether or not they get lighter, it is going to be the distribution of that weight that will determine any personality whatsoever. Of course, the size of the car but where is that weight? And then the lack thereof, of course we'd we like lower weight cars, mm-hmm. EVs. Where is that weight in the car that will entirely determine and Like we've talked about before, I think the weight and deliberately positioning it in the car will give it personality, a deliberate personality. Like, wow, all the batteries are in the tail of this electric
0: 911. Sure. Sure. Pile them the all back there.
1: Error. Oh, yeah. okay. It retains its character
0: theoretically yeah
1: <laughs> maybe we could have like sliding weights to like, no. <laughs>
0: You thought it was tail-happy before. (laughs) Wait till that weight slings around to the other side. You had that experience at our Boxster on track a while. years years ago With a bunch of water sloshed around. How'd that work out for you? The
1: water-slash-coolant sloshed, Uh and then it spun me. Uh That was because it was tied down with an ATV fertilizer tank in the trunk. Uh
0: Yeah, What could possibly go wrong? It it was fantastic lemons thinking. It was great on
1: paper. Uh We were all enthusiastic (laughs) about the solution. As the car was sitting still, <laughs> we were more like, "Sure, <laughs> let's see how that works. Let's see if sliding weights you could, you know, move the batteries around, like slide them forward to the front and lock that off." And we, like, like what, in the back of
0: tractor trailers, what's the dynamics used, you want for your car? Yes, I see what you say. It we use load locks
1: to actually yeah, yeah. lock off the battery to the front. Like, oh well, I'm going after this series, so I need fifty-fifty distribution. You know what? I need a front-wheel drive bias. Let's slide the weights. <laughs>
0: That works. the sliding battery tray. That's that's crazy. Yeah. We thought it was crazy. It was integrated into the chassis. What if we just slide the entire thing around like a big rack of weights?
1: <laughs> the other thing, Chad is styling and that is evidenced by the new Ford Explorer EV announced for Europe only. And we've talked about this last podcast
0: mm-hmm.
1: It's an ID4 underneath. It's built on the Volkswagen MEB platform, yeah, yeah. which means when we get in it, when we eventually drive it, we'll go, hey, this feels like a Volkswagen. <laughs> you
0: doesn't, know that's coming. Doesn't the ID4 drive just like this? <laughs> the
1: yeah. ID4 just drives like an Explorer. Is it the other way around? I can't really tell. But the interface tells me it's Ford. So we're buying styling. Mm-hmm. We're buying whatever the body on that chassis, even though it's not really a chassis, but yeah. it kind of yeah, yeah. is. Mm-hmm. But the, the space and the body style... Okay, there's more back seat room and I got, you know, the Defender 130. It's like yep, 6 inches yep. longer than the 110 or whatever. Yep. Yep. And it gives me a little bit more space in the back. So ultimately, that's what we're buying, but style still sells. Mm-hmm. Style and beauty still sells. That is a big part of why we love cars. And we, the Royal We, the collective we, everybody listening, we all love great beautiful style. But then I think, you know, all those stylish EVs that are the classics converted, Mm -hmm. beautiful style, but converting those to EV have in, I admit to not having driven multitudes of these converted
0: EVs. There's not many, but yes, I take your point.
1: But the entire point was, wow, this really low displacement V12 in a Ferrari. And it was mounted up front, really heavy. And that gave it that personality along with the style. Yeah. That was just, that personality was inherent because this is how we build cars. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were EVs in like 1905, but they didn't. Been around a while, yeah. You know, they didn't get actually put into production. And for all kinds of various reasons and conspiracy theories, we were left with a gas engine, but that's just how cars were built Mm -hmm. and styled. And so I think well, what about these EVs ruining the personality of these converted cars? But on the other hand, I really do like the the idea of saving these classics mm-hmm. with EV powertrains. Mm. Okay. I mean, there, there's two yeah. schools of thought yeah, there. Yeah, sure, you you sure. could still just do an engine replacement and pour money into it, but it actually kind of is interesting to have... You know, an old Volkswagen bus that is an EV and compare that to, to the new Buzz. Sure, yeah, yeah. Know, okay, kind of interesting. The Jag E-Type is really suited to being EV, weirdly, mm. because you just glide around on that thing anyway.
0: You just <laughs> glide. You just. I mean, that's a car that has a unique and interesting engine and engine sound. For However, sure. I it's, take your point. It's quiet. I take your point. The point of it is not I'm driving this for the engine necessarily. The point of it is the theater of the whole thing, and I take that. Yeah, You know, those old Rolls Royces from the yeah. 60s and yeah.
1: 70s. Let's just glide around in those.
0: That's a great one. They're already heavy. Let's just make them heavy. The whole point is to make them glide. I see that for sure. Unless we have
1: the sliding weight battery tray and we can (laughs) suddenly give the
0: Rolls-Royce some dynamics it never was intended to have. Terrifying. Chad, you're asking about ways to give personality EVs. This got me thinking on another another line of, of ponderances here and that is, I actually think there's going to be a huge market for what your EV sounds like you know, Dodge just did it with the Banshee and they thought yeah. they've they created their own little thing. And then Ford with the the Mustang Mach-E has this like digital keyboard V8 sound you can turn on and off. All right. It's not a V8 sound that it doesn't really sound entirely organic. It does sound digital, but you can add that to the sound of your EV. And I'm thinking about all of the people and there, are, there are many of them out there that be it TV or YouTube, they just leave a show on all the time. They have Ooh. something playing all the time. Now, one of the conversations that happens about EVs is, well, but it's super quiet in here now. And I keep thinking, not everybody actually likes that. A lot of people in general, you may sleep to white noise, but there are plenty of people that actually will watch something. All, that's not fair. They will have something on all the time. Whether they watch it or not is another thing. It's just they want that kind of background noise that is part of what they're doing. And I think that there will be a market for what is the sound your EV makes. So we can fall asleep to the sound of our EV. Well, um, you know, when they're all autonomous, then it's fine. But but it <laughs> can put us to sleep. But it can be everything from you know, I want it to make this space age sound. I want it to make this engine sound. I think we're going to have those choices to quote unquote customize our EVs. I also think we're going to have a world where there's going to be power level selectors. Are you doing this aftermarket? Are mm-hmm. you do, I mean, Mercedes has already talked about you can get lots of power from their EV, or you can pay more and get even more power from Subscribe the EV. Subscribe to power. Exactly right. That's going to happen. I also wonder about third parties doing this. Third party digital downloaded over-the-air tunes for your EV. How far away are we for that? I can't think very far. And it will now be like... X. I don't even know what the rest of that is, but I think there's going to be that reality as well, where you were tuning your EV with aftermarket software. I think that is coming. Yeah, that's coming. But all of this strikes yeah. me, and, and this is going to sound weird, all of this strikes me as I want to connect it to something that's going to seem odd. But I think, and, I'm, and I also want to talk about the, the center of the EV market right now, which is the five-seat CUV. Explorer. That is the center of the EV market. I mean, I think yeah. hopefully we'll have some sports car shapes. Hopefully we'll have some sedan shapes. Hopefully we'll have lots of shapes that we like, okay? <laughs> that but, shape looks like. <laughs> and hopefully people will worry about things about weight. But right now, they're not worried about the weight. They're worried about let's get a lot of range and something that is roughly a five-seat shaped CUV. That is the entire brief for every market out there. You know what everybody's building? Blue jeans. Think mm-hmm. about blue jeans for a minute. Mm-hmm. Since Levi made them a thing in the 1800s or whenever it was, they're all kind of the same idea. They are probably blue. They might not be, but they're probably blue. They're made of denim. They have this structure. They have this basic cut. That's what blue jeans are. Okay? Yeah. And then everybody makes their variation. You can get the bedazzled kind. You can get the pre-ripped kind. You can get the ones that look like they've been washed too much. You can get the ones that are super stiff or very dark or slightly different in color. But what did you buy? You bought jeans. Okay, And I really think it's this kind of minor variation that is stylistic or slightly about the wearing, if you will, that is what's going to define this middle grade EV. It's not going to be power. They're all going to be powerful. It's not going to be tech. They're all going to have tech. It's going to be this variation. Are you wearing a classic button front blue jean or are you wearing a bedazzled blue jean with a zipper fly? You're both mm. wearing jeans. Uh, just sit down. You're both wearing jeans. So okay. So
1: this, this middle segment with all the boring five seat, the sameness, are those all mom jeans? <laughs>
0: but <laughs> but see, I don't think they are. This is the place where people are going to play. I think the rest of the market, if I stay with my analogy, is: Did you make shorts? Did you make a suit? So you have the super luxury cars. We made a suit you had the, the sports cars we made we made a pair of run of running shorts okay and then the Volkswagen
1: but, thing is Jorts exactly <laughs>
0: exactly right, exactly right. Just... Be, somebody's going to make jorts the EV jorts are coming <laughs> but uh, that's in the titles If you don't know why until you've listened but uh, but the thing is i think this middle section is just going to be slight variations of blue jeans and we'll see
1: whatever car you're looking for and wherever it's listed you'll find it with autotempest.com Autotempest.com brings together results from all the top used car listing sites online to save you time and help you find the perfect car. It even lets you compare with nationwide results from Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist,
0: not just your local area. Plus, you can now get email alerts for your search, so you're sure to never miss a thing. You can even price and find new cars from nearby dealers. That's why Autotempest is now the official sponsor of all of our test drive videos. We use it to search for new cars or used cars wherever they are. When you're doing your drive homework, you're chasing the next family car, or just browsing
1: so you can see what's available, go to autotempest.com slash everyday so they know we sent you. Autotempest.
0: All the cars, one search. Chris R. is writing in, and he is addicted to modified cars. And I find, I find something very interesting about folks that are addicted to modified cars. And I, I don't mean this to be tacky in the least. I just i am observational. Okay. I think the obsession with modified cars changes and in many cases fades with age.
1: Now there are people there are
0: people that have spent a lifetime modifying cars and making crazy cars and that kind of stuff. But I think the the what you tolerate in a car, it's it's personality to come out of what we just talked about. The the craziness and personality that a car may have when you're under thirty is different than what you tolerate when you're sixty. With some, There are some yeah. people that are outliers, but in general, you know, if my car is the loudest thing for four states when I'm 25, it's awesome. When I'm 50, I'm like, would you please make that quiet? <laughs> and that's kind of general. So it's interesting to watch how this changes with time. But Chris, has uh, he's 25, and he says he's owned a lot of cars. He is car obsessed. He's owned everything from highly modified European cars to track-ready muscle cars to his beloved Honda Fit. He currently has... One of the strangest garages I've heard for a simultaneous garage. And he calls himself out. He says, this is a, I have some aggressive variety, which I love that description, Chris. He has a 2013 Honda Fit base model. Loves it. A 1998 Volvo C70 Coupe, which is, candidly, a good-looking Volvo Coupe from the 90s that he calls his never-ending project car. And he has a brand-new and stock 2017 it feels brand new shelby gt350r with the flat plane crank that he has left as it is so that is the oddball and that starts the discussion
1: chris writes after a good start in the tech industry and having very little debt and expenses lust got the best of him he bought that gt350r 18 months ago from this email Since then, he's enjoyed every one of the 15,000 miles that he's put on it. Love it. He finds 8,000 RPM more often than not. Amazing. But his rose-tinted glasses are clearing up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Huh. I'm looking at that car differently. Yeah, okay.
1: He says it's increasingly apparent the car is still a Mustang at its core. There's rattles throughout the interior. It's on voodoo engine number two under warranty.
0: I mean, that's, and unfortunately, that's not a, I've never heard of that story. It's not, sadly. Yeah. Ford still can't paint aluminum. Okay. And the dealer experience is poor.
1: Considering the cost of the car, he's been let down by consistent quality issues. Okay. So he's not sure what to do. Buying the car was a big milestone for him and it's a part of him and he'd hate to see it go. Yeah. But the thrill has worn off, even though he still loves every drive. It's just a decently large investment that leaves him cold. Mm. What he concludes is the cars that he's owned have never failed to keep his interest, but the the ones that do have always been modded. Isn't that interesting? It really is. Is he just an addict of this unique and raw experience of driving modified cars? And he doesn't want to modify this Mustang because... It's too special.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Doesn't quite have that knife edge and rawness that he's really after. Mm-hmm. So what is what else is out there that he needs to experience next? What have you done, he says, if you found yourself in a situa- similar situation? Is it crazy to think that the GT350R isn't visceral enough? <laughs> Interesting. Love it. Okay, good. He notes that he lives 20 minutes from the Tale of the Dragon in Tennessee and spends lots of times going for drives in the Smoky Mountains, and he casually competes in Gridlife's Track Battle Time Attack series. This year, he'll be racing that Honda Fit in the Sunday Cup. He looks forward to our thoughts, and his only absolute requirement is
0: a third pedal. This is so interesting, Chris. I have a lot of thoughts here, and the big thing that I want to come down on is the fact that you are a tracking guy. For sure, you for are sure. a guy who likes to push things really hard and have them have a track feel. And candidly, there is nobody that makes that car from the factory because they no. need to sell volume. Yeah, I mean, it, even look at look at the you know Miata is always the answer, right? Even look at a Miata, the way you get it from the factory isn't stiff enough. If you're really going to do no. track use, you're going to get you're going to get uh, stiffer. Uh, bushings and you're going to get better sway bars and you're going to actually, you know, I got to stop this body roll. That's like thing one, go to flying Miata and it's like the thing on the homepage. It's like, you want this, (laughs) okay? So in order to sell cars in volume, manufacturers don't make track feeling cars. And the flip side is very often we've had people write into this podcast who have made their car more track friendly and then gone, "Uh uh-oh, because it's not worth dailying anymore because they've made it too right. hardcore and they need to back it off. But you're in a place, Chris, with where you are in your life and the kind of things that you do that you want that kind of hardcore aggressive track feeling all the time. And honestly, man, nobody makes that from the factory. My recipe starts out with getting rid of the Volvo.
1: I I'm wondering about that Volvo. A mod well, it's not a restomod, it's just this modded Volvo. He describes it as a constant project, project car, project car. Volvo C70
0: coupe. When you're done, you have a project car that's a Volvo C70 Coupe. You may have the best handling, fastest, most interesting Volvo C70 Coupe ever, and it's still a Volvo C70 Coupe. Here's my analogy. It's like saying, I would like to make a fantastic Renaissance quality statue, but I'm not going to use marble. (laughs) I'm going to use iron. Okay. And everybody has Paul's response of... You can do that. You could. But you know you could start over here with marble or granite or something that people have used before, and it would be probably easier to look better. It's true. But no, I'm going to stick with iron. Iron is my medium. I think it's interesting that you love this Volvo, and I think you love it because it's been with you for a while, and you're making it into something it was never intended to be. But we've talked this before. This is the tuning out of class problem. Mm-hmm. You, I think from tuning in general, this is my headline for you, Chris. Figure out what you want a car to do. And if that's be crazy track car, great. But figure out what you want a car to do. Let's set that baseline. Mm. And then buy whatever is closest to that baseline already and tune that versus I want it to be just picking something out out of the air. I want it to be light and incredibly stiff track car and i'm starting with a lexus is. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's a weird place to start for that you seem saying so right. let's get yeah. the thing close and you haven't told us this is what i want this next car to be you've just told us that the gt350r isn't right and i have other thoughts on why so that's not raw right. enough. i'm still thinking about that volvo because the c70 coupe wasn't
1: particularly special but we don't know any backstory as yeah, far as true 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 why that car is special to you why you just love them was it a family member's car does it mm-hmm. have some sort of emotional attachment is there nostalgia attached to it? Yep. I, I don't know, but that just seems like an odd choice. When you say project car, it's never a Volvo C7. <laughs> never. <laughs> it's not like even an old Volvo, like yeah. from the sixties, like a classic old. Sure, sure,
0: sure. Okay. Yeah, There there's, right, there's has that. to be a story behind that car. Yeah. Hmm.
1: I stick with my recipe. Okay. Getting rid of the Volvo because again, once you end up with that project car finished, you've put a lot of time and money into a, really hot Volvo C70
0: Mm
1: -hmm. to do what with? Yeah. Agreed. Is that your daily or have you modded it way past Mm -hmm. and it's now kind of undrivable unless you do something hardcore, but for the drives that you do aside from track, there's far smaller, lighter cars that are more enjoyable than you can buy right now. Sure. Yeah. I must point the finger at me, Chris. Okay. <laughs> is this 928 related, Paul? It kind of is. Okay. All I right. mean, it definitely is. Okay. I wanted to end up with a classic 928. Mm-hmm. I could have spent more money to mod it along the way and give it more power and do stuff yeah. to it, yeah, yeah. but I didn't. I mm-hmm. wanted it as close to stock as possible while improving things, either to make them more reliable or yeah. to do better, you know, whether that's be more reliable or brake better or yeah. you know but close to stock I just want a classic 928 to drive around yeah, yeah. and the fact that you and I have road tripped this car yeah, there's special crazy. memories mm-hmm. attached to it and it's the thing that I worked on I mm-hmm. really True. love that yeah, yeah. so I wanted to end up with just a classic Porsche I want to get to the 911 classic thing or a 356 or something like that, but just an old classic Porsche. I just wanted that in my garage. That seemed like for me, loving 928s, a natural place to start. We've driven it. I've put money into it for the money that I spent on to on that car. Just think of all the great $40,000 cars I could have had.
0: (laughs) If I had waited and saved my money, I could be
1: close to a civic type. R right now. I could probably have a GR Corolla, not to mention a Cayman. Yeah, true. Another, I mean, another Cayman, <laughs> you, in addition to my Cayman. One
0: of your Caymans, like one of my Caymans. I mean, you've got two, yeah. two Caymans. I know, it's, it's, it's mad. It's Every utter madness. I yeah, I know.
1: But to Todd's point, what are you going to do with the modded car? I thought maybe get rid of the Honda, but you did mention you're using it for Sunday Cup. Yep. All racing. vehicles yep. competing in the Gridlife Sunday Cup must have a factory power-to-weight ratio no greater than 25 to 1 with driver based off wheel horsepower. So eligible cars include things like the Mazda two and the Honda fit. Mm -hmm. I get it. That could be your daily because it sounds like, there's very minimal mods to that car to compete in this Sunday Probably Cup true, racing. Yeah. So that could be your daily. We could leave that alone. But I feel like you need two cars. Something normal for daily use mm-hmm. and then something bonkers, wacky, whacked out of your mind, just crazy. <laughs> okay. Like that Corvette right. we saw. Just take all the body panels off and drive yeah. it around as this yeah, bare yeah. chassis. Yeah,
0: exactly. It's just, it's just a cage. <laughs> Used to be a vet. Yeah.
1: Since you're a Honda guy, consider the new Civic Si. I thought that's if you got rid of the Fit. Maybe an Elantra N. Mm. Those are fun, but but normal. They're normal usage. They're great fun. They'd be great in those Smoky Mountain Canyon drives. So what other racing series do you want to go after?
0: Mm, That's a good question.
1: If you're specifically going after Sunday Cup, okay, keep the fit. But if you're wanting some raw experience, because I modded it for track, That's great, but you can only use it for HPDEs or private track days.
0: Sure, unless you're doing a regulation. It's not
1: eligible because it won't meet the regulations unless you built it for some other race series in mind that meets the rules. Excellent. Just like you're driving your fit. You don't have to do anything to your fit. It's just eligible because they made it cheap and easy. So mod for purpose or mod for restoration or a resto mod. Your take on what some kind of car should be needs to be the car you're pouring your money into, not that Volvo C70.
0: Mm, that's good. Okay. I see it. What do
1: you want to end up with? I wanted to end up with a classic Porsche, mm-hmm. a classic 928.
0: Yeah. 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 And I have. Yeah.
1: Think about selling this. When you embark upon this new car, you sell the GT350R and you bar- embark upon whatever new decision you've made. Think about selling that. The day you're going to sell that, will it be too precious because of the time and money mm-hmm. you spent? Uh, I still think about all the dollars I spent on that 928. I could have had something amazing. <laughs> kind
0: of, you go white when you think about it too far. <laughs> you just kind of the color drains from your face.
1: <laughs> just uh,
0: Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah.
1: On the other hand, I go into my garage. I'm like, sweet car. Yeah, I know you I love just it. Like, I like the fact that summer is coming,
0: I think. At some point. We got, we got <laughs> seven feet of snow in the last week. Okay? It's just madness. Yeah.
1: So once that comes and I can just... Drive around. I, you know, we're not doing road trips. I'll just take it to the store. I'll just take it wherever and just drive around in a classic 928. That just sounds cool to me. But there's many people, Chris, that have done their own thing mm-hmm. and put money towards something. I mean, there's a zillion Defender 110s. There's one million companies that have rebuilt their sure. take on the Defender 110. Yeah, 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 yeah. Porsche 911s are another example. Everybody's done their take. You're right. You're from right, yeah, singerization yeah. to you name it, The yeah. list is endless on those cars. Like I mentioned before, EV-converted classics, Icon derelicts, leave the exterior all rusty and put an amazing chassis suspension underneath. I 100% don't get that. <laughs> I, I, I'm not, a, I don't get it. Okay, anyway. Safari Mini Cooper. Yeah. Or a Hellcat swapped Model Y. I mean, nobody's done that yet, to my
0: knowledge. True, there is the guy that did the, the V8 engine swap. It was LS into a, a Model S, and I, that fascinates That's true. me. But yeah, but still, I, I love that thinking. Hellcat swapped
1: Prius that we saw at SEMA a few years ago too. that was just a
0: drag car that was stupid fun.
1: But something lightweight enough that's fun that you always want to take on that canyon road Mm -hmm. that you can gently wrench on, but you don't have to modify to crazy money, Mm -hmm. is a Caterham.
0: I wondered if you'd bring that up. Caterham. It dawned on me as well. Okay, yeah. Caterham. And you can get them with, here, here's the thing that's funny. Go, dig into the UK reviews in the past six months. I forget what the designation is because I, I get confused by the Caterham number designations. But everybody drove the Caterham with the least horsepower in the last six months in the UK. And it's like, it's less than 100. It's like 60 or 80 horsepower. They probably had a and ball. Every single review is, I love this thing.
1: <laughs> it's because it feels track focused. Yeah. It's built like that, but it's not built for any particular race series in mind. It's, it's just, just fun. built with track feeling in mind. Yeah. And it's already built. You don't have to build it to something. You don't have to strip the interior out of a Volvo C70 to get
0: the weight down so you can have mm-hmm.
1: the feeling. Like, just get a catering.
0: I That's good. I do like that. That's very good. Uh, Chris, I want to talk about your uh, GT350R real quick and why I think it's disappointed you. You have this base fit. You have this long-running Volvo project. You don't yeah. tell us what else you've owned. I, and I very much get the sense from your email. You, re, you reached, you stretched, and you bought that GT350R. True, okay? true. You, you, you stretched up from your perspective. You stretched up to kind of like the, the, the supercar, exotic car levels. I have it. And then you discovered, this isn't what I hoped it would be. It's yeah. great, but it's not what I hoped it would be. This happens, honestly, this happens sometimes when we drive exotic cars. And we're like, yeah, but is this is this better than the thing with the – and the other thing is you've had tons of fun in stuff that was cheap. True. And you've had tons of fun in stuff that was cheap that you could wrench on. And so when, when you've got something that's cheap, does it matter – That There's a rattle in the interior? No, it does not. Does it matter that the paint's bad? No. Do you care about the dealer experience? Not at all. But you reached in all of those categories, and you're going, why isn't the paint better? Why isn't the interior better? Why am I not getting treated better by the dealer? I spent all this money on this thing. Why aren't those things better? I submit to you, Chris, that if that car had cost you twenty grand, none of those concerns would have been listed. You're dead on. And the other thing is you recognize that that car is something that if you tune it, you kind of ruin it. Yeah. It has value because it's stock. So Chris, I think you can step right out of that car for exactly the money you, you spent to buy it. I bet you you just straight across. So let's sell your GT350R. And I think you need to buy something that is cheaper, that like I said before, is closer to where you want it to be to start. And I'm wondering about things like the Miata or the GR eighty six. What if you spent twenty grand and got a first gen FRS for 15? Okay? And you care, do you care if that car's got rattles or bad paint? Or, no, not, no, no. I, I bought a 2013 Scion FRS. It's rear-wheel drive and manual transmission. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tune this thing into a monster. But I don't think, I mean, as much as I'm not a tuning-out-of-class guy and I don't really support that thinking, if this is what you like to do is mod it to make it yours, start with a cheaper platform that you aren't concerned with. Why isn't this better? start with the cheaper platform that is close to where you want to take it and then push it that direction. Mm. And I also think along these lines is because because higher end cars, more expensive cars typically have more polish. I think you'd be disappointed if I told you a Porsche. You'd be like, "Yeah, but shouldn't this be more raw?" No, because yeah. the problem is once somebody and whoever the somebody is out there is spending 60 grand and up on a brand new car, it can't be raw anymore. It's not really allowed. Go back to the '80s and '90s supercars, the Countachs and the Testarossas and the, this kind of thing. They're a bit nuts. They're not. Yeah. They're, none of them are nice places to be. <laughs> they can yeah. be really fun. They're very involving. There's a lot of raw and visceral feel there. But are they nice to be in? But then in the 90s into the 2000s, all those exotic cars, people with money were like, it should be nice, too, because their pickup is nice at 60 grand." <laughs> yeah. Okay? So now all those super exotic cars are also nice to be in, which means they're muted in the process. They Although, have to be. Porsche discovered they could charge more and give you less. They did discover that. But I, and put I think, a GT3 badge on it. Yes, they can. But, but no, GT3 sticker. Sticker, right. Sticker, Sorry. just a sticker. Sorry. The badges, yep. badges are too much. Anyway, <laughs> we're going to charge you more Put stickers on the car. <laughs> you have a sticker, the Porsche badge. Sticker. Especially that anyway. four O. that 99. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, so, so Chris, I think you need to find your cheap chassis that, that plays to your th- strength. And certainly for this part of your life, I think you can't buy something that was originally expensive because I think it has been refined too much for what you're liking. Cars by Crabtree, says the Toyota
1: Sienna, the Lexus RX 350, and the amira all share the same engine. Well, and so does the Camry in there too, but well, the Camry think, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm sure we could think of more. Lexi. There's a lot. Yeah. Can we think of any other engines that have a weirder or wider application? Well, sure, the current field of F1 cars, like 40% <laughs> of the field runs Mercedes <laughs> engines, right? Okay. All right. I see where you're going. I the 911. I'll start start with the 911 because okay. all right. flat sixes and variations thereof have been stuffed into lots of things sure but how about that 1988 ital design aztec concept powered by an audi five cylinder oh that's interesting okay how about ls swapped anything i mean what's the weirdest craziest oh yeah it's got an ls in it sure sure porsches to volkswagens who cares right that BMW V12 in the McLaren F1 is interesting, but what's more interesting is the BMW 3.5-liter straight-six in the Esparo Chrono concept from 1990. Sure, okay, all right, yeah. That is the ultimate Cars and Coffee look-at-my-engine concept, because it folded in the middle. <laughs> That's right, it did. Remember that thing? Yeah, I do.
0: I do remember that, yeah.
1: Of course, the transversely mounted V12 in the Lambo Mira. Okay, But then when you rip the engine out of a sports car and stuff it into a truck, like the Lamborghini LM002, Mm -hmm. the Countach engine in a truck, have you ever heard one of those Lambo LM002s? Under hard acceleration, it's like this high-pitched,
0: just accelerating
1: away from you. Wait, is that the Lamborghini? That sounds weird. But then when you go the other way, you get a Viper. We'll take this that V10 was, truck engine. That was the one I thought of. It was Viper. the
0: Viper V10 that came out of a Dodge truck?
1: Yeah, and then of course all those Gallardo V10s mounted in Audi sedans.
0: Yes, true. Yes. <laughs> well, and, all, and I also one of those. Also, also that cool. uh, that V10 you could get in, I think, in Europe in the
1: Touareg. Oh, you could get the torque. You could get the V10 TDI, which had like 700 million pound-feet of torque.
0: (laughs) Yes, earth-rending torque. Yeah, there's that as well. The other one I thought of that's actually recent is, and I know they're not direct comparisons, but all of these have got tweaks, the fact that the current Ford GT has a variant of the current F-150 V6. Oh, that's good. That's good. They're not identical, but it's variations just like you're talking about here. It's crazy, though I do think that that V6 in the Toyota product that works its way to Lotus is probably still broader than all of these. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting questions, and I'm going to answer Jeff Hober's question on Facebook. I'm getting questions about the Cayenne that are already making me laugh, my wife's new Cayenne, which if you haven't heard already, and again, great video, but 2017 Porsche Cayenne SE Hybrid Platinum Edition. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Anyway, so... Many people are asking me, well, what about this system? And what is the long-term reliability of this system? What's the long-term reliability of that system? And you know my answer is? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> Jeff's question here is, you know, what about battery deterioration, replacement cost? You know, what kind of range are we getting? What's it going to be like long-term? And reality, Jeff, is this is why we have it to cover it. Yeah. I mean, I hope, look, I hope it's wonderful. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, me too. And, me too. but at the same time, all of these, what's the long-term going to be like? The answer to that question is, I do not know. Because when I bought our base, our original Cayenne, I can't believe it. Anyway, there were a lot of things where was like, well, this could go wrong and that could go wrong. And okay, if it goes wrong, it goes wrong. The other thing you have to know is that uh, we had that guy, Nick, on the podcast a while back that used to deliver us cars. Mm-hmm. Nick lives mm-hmm. in the Denver area. That's where I got this Cayenne from. Nick did my pre-purchase inspection. And he did a very thorough pre-purchase inspection. He was if you're in amazing, the Denver yeah. area and you need one, Nick has uh, he has training as a mechanic and he's driven everything on the planet. And when I told him what he was checking out, he did the deep dive into what is this, known issues, things to check, worry about this, blah blah. And he went he went much deeper than I even would have, which was fantastic, which was perfect. And Nick did a great job. If you if you need his help, Reach out, we'll, let, we'll put you in contact, because he was a phenomenal job. Yeah, so was. I got a great pre-purchase inspection on that Cayenne. We looked for known issues. At the moment, it has none of them. It has almost 80,000 miles. Will we keep it for 80,000 miles? I don't know. I will let you guys know. But I do think it's funny, because people are going, well, how long is this going to last? I'm like, I don't know. I got it like three weeks ago. We'll see. <laughs>
1: <laughs> on Twitter, Taylor C. Buys comments. He disagrees with our comments that buyers won't drive that Challenger 170. He thinks people who buy them will be hardcore drag racers. He wouldn't be surprised if they get their own race series like the NHRA Dodge Hemi Challenge that's specifically for 1968 Hemi cars. Mm. I hope to be wrong. Agreed. It'd be great. I would love to be wrong. I don't think people will buy them. I still stand by that for the sole reason that I have never met any hardcore drag racer who didn't build their car themselves. That's kind of the the vibe, isn't it? Yeah. They built their engine. They put together their car. They're fully invested in it. They built their car for whatever drag series they do with it. But they know all, they bought all the parts. They bought all the ignition timing. They bought yeah, the yeah. special transmission. They've set everything up to their taste and they did the work. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go out on a limb. This is a broad generalization. I also hope to be wrong. But I don't know that hardcore drag racers just want to buy something off the showroom floor and be like, oh, we're good. Here we go. We're gonna go drag this. We're now. just gonna go drag, and I'm not gonna do anything to it. I'm not gonna modify it. I'm not gonna to touch it.
0: Plus the fact that so far the markups on that car are rumored to be between fifty and hundred grand, that oh. just tells me even further that what we're talking about is customers who are going to buy them and keep them wrapped in plastic because it's an investment yes i think there's going to be a huge percentage of that because i also don't think that a hardcore drag racer is going to spend 50 to 100 grand over msrp if they get an msrp maybe but now it's a 150 thousand dollar car 100 and more than that i i think they're just going to go yeah but you know what i could do with an ls motor and an old chassis yes (laughs) And,
1: and part of a drag racer's headspace is getting the deal on that Cool set of parts. They were chasing. I mean, they we'll got see them eBay, or they were thumbing through the catalog, and those were on sale. And I got my parts, and I'm waiting to put my parts on. And well, sports car drivers will buy something off the showroom floor and take it to the track and go canyon driving with it. See, so it will truck happens. owners. Truck True. owners will buy Wrangler Rubicons and immediately go to Moab. You yeah, have to do part. anything fair anymore? Part. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Pickup truck owners, we're just going to go bouncing around the desert, takes do some off road stuff. I don't need to do anything. I just need to touch the four-wheel
0: drive button. I think there's going to be somebody or a few somebodies out there that have that car and do go around hunting for people at drag races and leave it stock and just be like, look what I can do. Sure. In the same way that people with Model S's have done it. But I think that's going to be the random guy that gets an article about him in 10 years because he's the only person doing it. And everybody else has got him wrapped in plastic and they're waiting for Barrett Jackson in 2050. But to your point, Taylor, wouldn't it be great if we
1: were wrong? What if they did have a series? And everybody who bought them was like, you know what, I don't care how much I pay. We're using this thing for what it was designed to do and we're using it. And then I'd actually drive it to go to lunch. Great. Yes, please do that.
0: (laughs) Go to lunch, leave the
1: light with the wheels up. (laughs) There
0: we go. Pop the
1: chute, because I have to turn left right there.
0: (laughs) The blinker was odd though. (laughs) There are some amazing Track Daily Crushes that have got me thinking here. I'm going to go with this one from Andrew Owen. Track Daily Crush Luxury Land Barge Edition. Ooh. The Infinity QX80. Uh-huh. The Narwhal Beluga Whale looking one. Right. One. The GMC Yukon XL or the Mercedes-Benz GLS. Now, let me start here. The Infinity QX80, uh, it's got a great engine. And it, it does the brief. It does what it's been designed to do. It's just been seriously outclassed in that segment. I remember not really liking the transmission, but I was very surprised at how much it would just, this is kind of quick. We've Mm. got an old, uh, we've got an old test drive on it, but the problem is it doesn't have enough dynamics to outdo the Mercedes Benz GLS, which is the one I would track. Sure. That is the track. The track one is the Mercedes Benz GLS. So the infinity QX 80 gets crushed because you have to daily the GMC Yukon XL. That's just Americana on wheels. Zanner on Twitter asks if we think it's more important to buy a new and
1: manual enthusiast car, or if the car you really want is used, it's okay to buy that instead. We vote with our dollars, but he's conflicted. He wants a manual G70 or a Elantra N when his loan is up, but there's also a lot of great new cars. You've made me think about the manual transmissions, and I think at this point, it's no longer save the manuals. It's hashtag. The manufacturer doesn't want to hear the screaming from the enthusiast community anymore. That's a and long hashtag. Get <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it? Is. But I like it. Yeah. Continuing to build manuals just to placate us enthusiasts costs us less, and we'll hear less crap from everybody who gives it to us for not building a manual. Enthusiasts have made it clear at this point in time that we all want manuals, and manufacturers have delivered. The True. the number of cars you can currently buy here in 2023 with a manual transmission are a lot. Mm-hmm. You'll think of them all, and then you think you're done, and then you'll think, oh, yeah, the, the Nissan Z. Oh, yeah, the Mini Cooper, Volkswagen Golf, Golf R, Elantra N, mm-hmm. Civic Type
0: R, GR Corolla. Civic SI. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. You'll, GR86, you'll get to the end. Supras. You, there yeah. we go. It goes on and on. Yeah, it, it's good. It's a good There's list. There's still a lot left. Yeah.
1: That's good news, but... If you can afford the new enthusiast car and hopefully you don't pay dealer markup, yeah, and you can get that car with the warranty and you're the first one, that's mm-hmm. your bait.
0: great. I encourage that. There's something special about that for sure, and that is the yeah. only way the manufacturers notice. They don't notice the new car purchase, they don't, unless it's the Supra 10 years later where they're like, Where were you guys? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you made a Fast movie. Fast and Furious yeah. happens, and now you like these cars, yeah, exactly. Another Track Daily Crush this one from Ted Adam Green. He's he's saying the all Porsche edition. My old Cayenne, your 928 or the Paris Dakar 959. <laughs> track Daily Crush. So this is not this is not the new pair, the new new 911 Dakar. This is the original. So he's going beat down Porsche's edition. I hate to say it that way, but it kind of is. Track Daily Crush. I think ouch i'm gonna offend people no matter which way I okay. go on this. let's hear Let, it uh, yeah okay track daily crush the you have to track the paris dakar 959 i think yeah. you just you have to track it yeah. i mean it's obviously made to do anything so please go track that one let's hope it runs because the 959s are notoriously difficult to keep running but that's very cool anyway and then um you know I, look i have to daily your car if it'll run because the it'll run the old she's Kyan, ready to rock the old Cayenne is just not nearly as interesting as your car. The old Cayenne's awesome, but it's not interesting, and I would much rather daily something that's interesting and has a manual. So there you go. Did you see what Rocco on Facebook said about your Cayenne that you should decarify it? I saw that. We're yeah. not safariizing. We're yeah. decarifying. Decarifying. Yeah, I did see that. That's pretty funny.
1: Yes, I would be happy with that. There is a question here from Jared Rose one another track daily crush. I
0: love this one. This is a the good
1: People's one. Car Edition: a Ford Model T, a Volkswagen Beetle think 1960 model mm-hmm. or a Toyota Camry think 1995. Well, I've never liked Beatles.
0: <laughs> That's okay. Conclusion. Crush-ify this is, where this is going. All right. Got beetle. it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I'll daily the Camry because I'll daily the Camry. That's the best thing to daily for sure. Yeah. And then
1: what a great experience to track a model T. Yes, please.
0: Larry is asking on Facebook, are there new episodes of our show coming to Motor Trend TV? Larry, we've mentioned this a few times, but I'll walk you through it again, and that is the fact that this year, no because the sponsors that we had that really wanted that TV presence are not with us this calendar year. So we're leaning into YouTube more mainly because there's just costs associated with TV and deadlines that we would rather not have to do, do even though we here's, please understand we like being on motor trend TV. There's an audience there. You among them that we like serving and we like the show being on, on cable. And that's cool for us. And then of course we're able to trickle down to Amazon prime and YouTube and that kind of stuff. But it was having the backing of the sponsors that wanted the TV presence. that really allowed us to do it. So since that's not happening, that same TV style production is still going on on our original Everyday Driver channel on YouTube and will continue. We won't have the restraints of that 21 minute, 28 seconds, and 18 frames. Yes, it's still burned <laughs> in my memory. We don't have that restraint of the exact time like length.
1: tattooed on your Seriously,
0: brain. Seriously, I, I wake up and I see those numbers <laughs> blinking. Anyway, so we can be a little bit looser in our format, which I actually like. So that is a lot of stuff coming this year, but not on Motor Trend TV. Bob McCormick asks for the greatest
1: auto-related product in the last 10 years. Could be a car, could be a movie, a cleaning product, or anything related to cars. Oh, wow. Okay, that's broad. Apple CarPlay.
0: Yeah, I think right? you're right.
1: Yeah, I think you right. Yeah, you're probably right there. Guys, thank you for all your questions. We really appreciate it. Write to us, TV at gmail.com for all your Topic Tuesday ideas, your mm-hmm. car conclusions, and of course, your car debates. We yep. love hearing from you guys. We're always looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.